0: Well, if you have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter number eleven. That's where we are this morning. Revelation chapter number eleven, and uh, we're continuing our journey through the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter eleven. Uh, we're picking up in verse number fourteen, talking about a summary of eternity. A summary of eternity. Uh, So question for you, have you ever ever made a phone call or received a phone call where the message is prefaced because the content of what's about to be shared is uh, maybe a little bit overwhelming, maybe a little bit shocking. And so so we make the phone call, and uh, like I received a phone call one night in the middle of the night, and uh, hey dad, it's me, and uh, I'm okay and everything, but I towed him a car. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, it's a prefacing statement because you know that what's about to be said is a little bit shocking along the way. And that's where we are in this book of the Revelation. Uh, This statement that's made here, Revelation chapter number 11, verses 14 and 19, is kind of like that. Uh, We've been walking through this book. We're in the midst of what's known as the tribulation period. Uh, For those that might be joining us for the first time, tribulation period is a period of seven years of the judgment when God Almighty is pouring out His judgment upon this earth, and, uh, and it's broken up. This period of seven Years as you read through the book of Revelation, it begins back in the sixth chapter, and it will continue on uh, uh, and for a couple of more weeks. I'm not sure how much longer uh, we'll go with this, but uh, but we're in the midst of the tribulation period. In fact, uh, the last three and a half years of the tribulation period is known as the Great Tribulation period. This period in the Bible is broken down. We've talked about into three different sections. There's 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 seven different uh, uh, seals that are uh, around the scroll, the title deed to the earth, and those have been broken open. And then there's seven trumpets. Uh, and with each trumpet blast, there's an introduction. Of a new judgment of God being poured out on mankind. And then we're going to get to the seven bowls of judgment eventually. Uh, right now, today, we're getting ready to hear the seventh trumpet blast this morning. That's where we are this morning on the seventh trumpet blast. We're in Revelation chapter 11. We're beginning down in verse number 14. But let me back up just because I want to give you a, a verse of scripture before we go. And that's Revelation 10. In Revelation 10 and in verse 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 number seven, the Bible gives us a forewarning about the seventh trumpet. It says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. And so this seventh trumpet uh, uh, blast is a blast that what it does is it's not just a brief momentary blast of a trumpet, uh, but a trumpet that, if you will, uh, uh, the sound rings out from the time of the blast until Eternity, and so and so—that's kind of what we see happening underneath this blasting of this final trumpet, the final trumpet, the seventh trumpet. Uh, what we have is we have a trumpet that encapsulates. Everything in the last half of the tribulation period. And so when we're looking at different events, we're going to have, for example, uh, the seven bowls of wrath are found underneath this trumpet blast, as well as uh, the battle of Armageddon that we'll get to eventually as we work forward. And so that's where we are this morning. The seventh trumpet is about to blast Revelation chapter number 11, beginning in verse number 14. And the Bible says this, "...the second woe is past. Uh, but behold, the third woe is coming quickly. And, uh, and 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 if you've been following along with us, the last three trumpet blasts are referred to as woes because what is contained underneath the sounding of these trumpets. The Bible says in verse number 15, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has come become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever and the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying we give you thanks O Lord God the Almighty who are and who were because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign and the nations were enraged and your wrath came and the time came for the dead to be judged and the time to reward your bond servants uh, and the prophets and the The saints and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there were flashes of lightning, and sounds and peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. And so, what we have again is we have the seventh (coughs) trumpet beginning to blow. And, uh, and under this trumpet sounding, uh, we have the details, it's not a complete summary, so from 12 to 20, it's interesting, uh, the next couple of weeks, what you're going to find is, if, if you'll read ahead with me, uh, chapter 12, the next three chapters include basically, uh, how did we get to where we are in this moment in the book of Revelation, going all the way back to the fall of, of Lucifer, and so, and so we're going to be picking that up over the next couple of weeks, uh, but we get this glimpse of the end, and And it's not, again, it's not a detailed summary. And so what does it look like? What is the end going to be? What's the end game? What's going to happen in the end? And so it begins in the very first verse, verse number 15, with the acclamation of the sovereign. The Bible says there in verse number 15, there were loud voices uh, uh, there were loud voices uh, set in heaven saying, "The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ, and He will reign forever and forever." And we're not sure who those loud voices are. We're not really sure who they are because they're not identified in Scripture. I think it may be possibly uh, an angelic choir that's just simply singing uh, what we would 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 know as Handel's Messiah, and He shall reign forever and evermore. You know that song? Or the, that, it's not a song, it's a production. Uh, he shall reign forever and forevermore, the kingdom of this world. Interesting when you're reading through this scripture. In fact, if you have the KJV, it says the kingdoms of this world, uh, and yet here he has the kingdom of. Uh, of this world singular it's singular and not plural in its literal interpretation it is singular he's not talking about the kingdoms what we see on this planet is a plurality of kingdoms in other words when we look around the world we see all different types of kingdoms will will see dictatorships we see monarchs we see republics we see all kinds of different forms of government and yet god and his word is saying hey it is singular there ain't but one world and in fact this world today according to scripture is a united kingdom and its ruler would be the devil uh, Satan. In fact, if you look back through scripture in the New Testament, John chapter number 12 and in verse number 31, if you remember, mankind was granted uh, 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 this kingdom. Mankind was granted rule over this earth, but we forfeited that at the fall. And so ever since then, we've seen the devil exercising his authority. John chapter 12 and verse number 31 the bible says now judgment is upon this world now the ruler of this world will be cast out and so this world there is in fact a one world and behind the one world is a satanic conspiracy to overtake this world in fact if you remember do you remember the temptation of jesus christ back in the gospel of matthew matthew chapter number 4 when jesus christ was led out into the wilderness to be tempted and as he was tempted The devil began to ask him different questions. And in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter number 4, verses number 8 through 10, the Bible says it uh, like this. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so what happened is, obviously, Jesus Christ came and he purchased the kingdom of this world. That's what he did at Calvary. One day he will come back to claim what he rightfully owns today. And that's what this whole book of Revelation is all about. He's coming back to claim that which is rightfully his. The Bible says in verse number 15, again, it's interesting when you look at the wording, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Now, what he is saying, he's using in an interesting verb form here. It's a, it's a proleptic aorist, and it simply means this. It is a fact that's going to happen so certain that we speak of it as if it has already taken place. In other words, he's, he's giving us a summary statement here. He's giving John the Revelator a summary statement to write down of what will take place, but it's so certain that it's going to happen that he speaks of it as if it has already taken place. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and forever. Every now and then we will make a statement like that Uh, every now and then we will make a statement but us making that same statement we don't have the same guarantee that God does in his word because we are not omnipotent I cannot guarantee you we might make a statement for example Georgia fans might have said as soon as TCU won and they got to play them hey we've just won the national championship before it ever happened that would be that same type of statement now there's no guarantee (laughs) y'all all right That's a sore subject for some. But he's simply saying, hey, listen, he will reign forever and forever and forever. There will be no end to his kingdom. And it dates all the way back, Daniel chapter number 7 in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 7, verses number 13 and 14. The Bible says it like this. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he uh, came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve. Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So he begins this passage of Scripture just reminding people, hey, We're getting ready to walk through this last three and a half years of this tribulation period, and it's going to be overwhelming, and it's going to get really bad. But let me tell you something. Let me just remind you right now that Jesus Christ, He is King, and He will reign forever and forever and forever, and forever. To his kingdom there will be no end. What a blessing, what a blessing it is, and what an assurance it is when you're in the midst of difficult days, just to know that our God reigns. He is in control of all things, and so he begins with this summary statement, just again affirming him, but not not, not only that, but the adoration of our Savior in verses number 16. We have this period of praise and worship that happens in verses 16 and 17, and the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces, and they worshiped God, saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And so we have the adoration of the Savior, the 24 elders, and if you've been walking with us, we understand these 24 elders to be all of the saints throughout history around the throne of God in heaven, and so I believe that it would include anyone in this building today who are saved. We are in the presence of God Almighty, simply because the rapture has, in fact, taken place by the time of this writing. Zechariah, over in Zechariah, the Bible says in chapter number 14 and in verse number 9, in Zechariah chapter... 14, in verse number nine, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, uh, the Lord will be the only one, and His name, the only one. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about. <clears throat> The saints around the throne of God. This is what's interesting about heaven. The saints around the throne of God, and when they see him for who he is, when they see him in all of his splendor, when they see him in all of his glory unveiled, when they see him as king of kings and lord of lords, they fall on their face and worship him because you are worthy. And I thought about that, and I, and, and I was thinking, you know, I wonder, I wonder how many today struggle with, again, the lordship of Jesus Christ. The question that's got to be asked this morning is this. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? In other words, we say, man, I'm, I'm saved, and, and I'm going to heaven, and I'm excited about that. And God in his word says, hey, I want you to share. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be my witnesses. And we never witness. Where's his lordship? Hey, I I want you to recognize everything that you have, all of your money, all of your treasures, your time, your talents, everything that you have is a gift given to you to be used for my glory. And yet there's so many people that, man, I'm saved, but it's my time. I'm saved, but but it's my money. I'm saved, but it's, It's my talents. And they never fully surrender to the lordship of God Almighty. I had this thought when I was reading this uh, scene that unfolds in heaven. The reason for worship is that, man, he has a rightful place. He's Lord of all. And I thought, how can we celebrate his lordship then if we don't celebrate it now? And it's a question that everyone has to ask themselves. Is Jesus Christ Lord of my life? You know, there's a lot of people that I I want a Savior. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Nobody wants to go to hell. I want a Savior, but I don't want a Lord. And you can't have it both ways. He's both Lord and Savior. And this morning, if you've never called on his name, I would encourage you to call on his name. There are some that simply look at Jesus Christ as an ever-present help in time of trouble. I mean, he's just, he's just there to help me when I, when I need him. Other than that, leave me alone. You know, the Bible says over in Psalm 24, and Psalm <clears throat> chapter 24, verses 1, And two, the Bible says this, just talking about his ownership, his lordship. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. He is in control of all things. It goes on, that psalm goes on to invite those who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his presence. And the answer is those who have been washed in the blood made righteous because of him. And if you're not, you need to be today. They worship him. They worship him because he's omnipotent. Uh, omnipotent. They say this, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty. In other words, you are omnipotent. You are all-powerful. All power belongs to you. And, and, And not only all power, but... You're omnipresent, who are and and, and and who were. In other words, man, you are the one, the great I am. You always have been and always will be an ever-present God. He's with us today. Aren't you thankful to have a God that knows you, knows everything about you, and yet loves you unconditionally, just like you I believe that he watches us, and the reason he watches us is not so that when we step out of line he can thump us, but rather he is just simply in love with you and me and wants to keep his eye on us. He watches over us. That's what he does. That's who he is. He's ever-present. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. That's who he is, and they're worshiping him as such. In fact, it's interesting when you look at Scripture and when you look <clears throat> when Jesus Christ is unveiled in all of His splendor and all of His glory at the, at the action of worship that takes place on behalf of believers. You know what happens throughout Scripture? If you go back, for example, go back to the Mount of, uh, of Transfiguration, go back to the Transfiguration where Peter, James, and John were there, and all of a sudden Jesus Christ is unveiled in all of His splendor and glory, and they fell flat on their faces, prostrating themselves in an act of worship because I'm unholy, but you are holy. And we see that happen in Scripture. Here again, what we see, the scene that's unfolding before us is the saints that are around the throne of God and they're prostrating themselves, falling flat on their faces because you are holy and you are worthy of praise and worship. And I thought about that and I thought, man, if the church today, if the church today would fall on our faces before Jesus Christ more often, we probably wouldn't fall on our faces as often. You know the Bible says over in the book of Chronicles and 2 Chronicles <clears throat> some of you are familiar with the verse chapter 7 and verse number 14. 2 Chronicles and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know I was thinking about the scene of worship around the throne and God help us to be Worshippers today. Oh, that's going to be there one day, but what about today? What about stopping and just reflecting on who He is, that He is holy, He is worthy, and responding to who He is with adoration and praise. <clears throat> that's what's happening. Saying one day, one day, there's going to be worship that's uninhibited. What a day that's going to be. Verse number 18 goes on and it just talks about uh, uh, the agitation of the sinners that are enraged. The Bible says, And the nations were enraged. Your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged. Rather than being a repentant people, the nations were enraged. And you know, when you read through scripture, you say, Man, how in the world? What does it take? What does it take? Why would you stay? Just angry and ticked off at God. Why, why would you stay that way? Well, <clears throat> the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And the only way we can have the peace of God is to have peace with God. The only way we can have peace with God is if there comes a time in our life when we recognize I am a sinner that's fallen short of God's glory. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And it's only when I recognize that I desperately need Him and recognize that He loves me so much that He demonstrated His great love that while I was still a sinner, He didn't wait for me to get fixed up. He didn't wait for me to become more lovable. He didn't wait for me to get back in church or to pray a lot of prayers. He just says, hey, He demonstrated His great love and that while I was still a sinner, Christ Jesus, He died on a cross for me and for you. He shed His blood because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. And the only way we can have peace with god as if we recognize what it is that's come between us and it's our sin and we need to be repentant and when we repent and call on his name then we can experience his peace and if there is no peace with god there's no peace of god and if there's no peace of god then that is an angry individual And what happens oftentimes, and we see it playing out even today, you mean they're going to be ticked off and not repentant? Well, that happens today. When God doesn't deliver, I mean, how many times do you meet people along the way? Some of them don't even go to church anymore, man, claiming, professing to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, but something happened in life, and I just got ticked off with God. I'm just angry. And it happens. Why? Because he didn't deliver like I thought he should have. Just not fair. He's just not fair. And we forget the cross, in so doing. In fact, when you're talking about the end time, could you imagine what's happening to these people? Could you imagine what's happening to these people? The people on the planet who really love them, who should really be loving them, which would be brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, they've long since disappeared. They're not experiencing that love anymore. People in their life, many of them who were around them, are no more. Over 50% of the population are now gone from the planet. And so there's anger. But God Almighty judges. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 9 and in verse number 27, Hebrews 9 verse number 27, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the Judgment. And, and this judgment that he's talking about for lost people is the great white throne of judgment. And we read about the great white throne of judgment in Scripture. It's to come. Now here we just simply have a summary statement saying there's going to be a judgment that's going to happen one day. It's going to judge those people that are lost. Well, Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, the Bible says it like this. Hey, listen, listen. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ one day, this will be where you will find yourself. And the Bible says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You know... There are a lot of people, when you talk to people, who have a belief system that's not based on Scripture. Instead, it's based on feelings. Well, God wouldn't ever throw anybody into hell. He loves us. Absolutely, He loves us. That's true. He wouldn't throw you into hell. That's true. But He will judge you. And if you've rejected him, you've delivered yourself to hell. He's a just God. And so if you've not saved, if, 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 if there's never been a time in your life when you've repented, then, 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 then what will you say? You, you stand. You, you will stand. You will stand. He says he's going to judge you according to your deeds. That's what he says in his word. Have you ever sinned in your lifetime? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every single one of us. So how do you stand before a holy God, sinless God? If I've not been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, if I've not repented of my sin and called on His name and received the forgiveness of sins and His righteousness, then I stand condemned, guilty, forever separated from God Almighty. If you haven't called on his name, I would encourage you to call on his name. He's just, again, giving this summary statement in our text today. He goes on to say, not only are the lost to be judged, but he goes on and he says, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And we've already read back in chapter number 9, verse number 11, about Abaddon and Apollyon. and These are the destroyers, those who've destroyed the earth, the devil the Antichrist, they, they will one day be judged as well. We'll get to that, the details of that, in a little while. <clears throat> but God Almighty will hold everybody accountable because he will be on the throne of his kingdom. He says not only will he judge the lost, but he's also going to affirm the saints in that day. He's going to reward the saints in that day. The nations were enraged, yeah, but it goes on to say, in the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, the small and the great, have arrived. The judgment seat of Christ. We're not talking about the great white throne. Do you understand that if you are saved today, you will not stand before the great white throne of judgment? That is where God will judge a lost person for their sin, and they will stand guilty before God Almighty. Now, for His believers, for his children, we stand before the bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, to be rewarded, to be judged. Our deeds, our actions, our attitudes will be judged, and only those things that we do for him will last forever, but he will judge us one of these days. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Verses number 12 through 14. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. And if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire, the judgment seat of Christ, to be rewarded. Do you know, do you know, because a lot of times what we do is we feel like, man, seems like that I got these friends that are lost, and it seems like they they just, life's good for them. (laughs) Just doesn't seem fair, just doesn't seem fair. And do you know that God in his word says, hey, can I tell you something as my child? There's not one single thing you will ever do that will escape my attention. (laughs) There's nothing you will ever do in my name that's going to escape my attention. Every prayer you've ever prayed, every encouraging word you have given in the name of Jesus, every drink of water, every song that has been sung, I will reward you. Every penny you have ever given will come back to you tenfold on that day. What a day that's going to be. He says there's going to come a day of reckoning and we're going to stand before him. And that's why the Apostle Paul throughout Scripture often talks about, man, run in such a way to win the race. I mean, there are rewards to be had. That's why we do what we do, so that God might be glorified. But one day, he recognizes exactly what has happened with your life. And the question that all of us have to ask us in light of eternity, in light of the fact that one of these days it's all going to be over, the question's got to be, am I ready for that day? Am, Am I running the race? Am I running the course that he's given to me? What about those people in my life? Am I loving them like he's called me? to love on them? Am I sensitive and filled with a spirit such that I know when to speak and when to listen? Am I a listening ear? Do I take time for people that need me to just simply take time with them in the name of Jesus Christ? Am I Jesus with skin on in my world? One of these days we give an account to what's been given. It's interesting when you read through this passage of scripture because it's. This whole chapter begins and ends talking about (coughs) uh, the temple of God, the ark of God, the ark of the covenant. The Bible goes on down and it says it like this in verse 19. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. And I believe it's just God's way of reminding his people that, hey, I want to draw you near to me. And I am everything that you will ever need. And I've got you right where I want you. Eternity. Are you ready for eternity? See, one of these days, one of these days, everything is going to come to an end. And I don't know when that day is going to be. Because you know, when we look at Scripture, <clears throat> these are events to be unfolded. And they might even begin with the rapture happening today. It could happen today. But it might be that today we breathe our last breath and eternity begins. However it begins, it will happen. And the question for all of us is this, am I ready for that? We're talking eternity. Either eternity in a place called heaven with Jesus Christ or an eternity forever separated from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. And Jesus Christ makes all the difference. And if you've never called on His name, I want to invite you to call on His name. To the church, I would say, hey, let's run the race. Let's run the race faithfully so that we're ready for that day that we see Him face-to-face. What a day that's going to be. What a day that will be. Could you join me for prayer this morning? This morning, we're going to pray, and after we pray, we'll sing a song, and after the song is sung, just want to give you an opportunity to come, man, to come. If you've never called on His name, you come today. Life is difficult, struggles, God says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you that His grace is sufficient for us, for His power is perfected in our weaknesses. And maybe you hear this morning, brothers and sisters, maybe you hear part of the family of God and the weight of the world is crushing. And everything in you says, man, I want to finish faithful. I want to finish faithful. But I'm struggling even taking another step Hey, maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you're here and you say, hey, could, could I just have my brothers and sisters pray for me? Man, we love the privilege to lift you up in prayer, to run with you, beside you. And if you're here this morning say, man, I, I'd like for people to just pray with me. Even in this moment, you come. You can come now. You can come while we sing a song. You can come after the song is over. But we have brothers and sisters here that would love to encourage you in this race so that we can finish it faithfully, to finish strong, to finish well. Hey, maybe you're here this morning and There's never been a time in your life when you've repented of your sin and called on the name of Jesus to be saved. And we're saved by grace through faith. It's not by works. You can't clean yourself up. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you've not called on Him, come today. Love to pray with you during this time. You come this morning. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this special time. I thank you, God, for your grace, for your goodness. God, for your tender mercies that meet us every day because, God, we're a needy people. Thank you. Lord Jesus, today I just pray that you'd have your way. Search our hearts, God, and have your way during this moment. We love you and we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.